Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right, so today I wanted to talk or have a healthy discussion about needs. And the truth is that every single person in this room, every single person in this room understands what it means to have needs. It's part of our human experience. And we know what it feels like to have our needs met, and it feels pretty good, right? But we also know what it feels like to have them when they're not met, right? And that brings frustration or anger, right? Disappointment. When our needs are not met, dysfunction or disease occurs, right? That happens physically. When a need is not met, it will cause some sort of disease or some sort of dysfunction. And like, like I was talking about before, like you might be putting good things in your body and then you're feeling something so you, and they're like, oh, you need more vitamin D or you need more this. And then you take it and guess what happens? The symptoms go away, hopefully, right? And so this can manifest physically, emotionally, spiritual. And most of our anger and frustration comes from needs that are not being met. And when our needs are being met, we're happy, we find fulfillment, we're strengthened. Some needs are temporal, right? They come and they go. Have you ever been real hungry? Right? Think how many of you have ever were so excited about Thanksgiving dinner and afterwards you would think, if I think about food right now, right? They come and they go, right? And so once they're satisfied, the desire to meet the need is diminished. Some needs are lifelong that you will always have. You always have those needs. We could do a little example of just holding our breath. There would be a certain point, right, where you're going to have to take a breath. And I also believe that there are specific needs based upon our DNA code or our calling that is specific to us. So there's things that might burn in Reuben's heart that might not burn in someone else's heart. And if he doesn't meet those needs or those desires, he's going to be frustrated, right? Most of our world revolves around the pursuit and fulfillment of our needs. From the moment you are born to the moment you, you die, our experience revolves around the fulfillment of needs. How many of you know when you have a newborn child, they need things, and they can't meet them on their own, so it's your responsibility to take care of those needs. And hopefully, according to my dad, he says it never goes away, but hopefully they get to a point where they start meeting their own needs, right? And then you don't have to meet all of them, like they were when they were a child. Hey, when you're still old, you can still go in the fridge if you need to. I think that's a, that's a rule. <laughs> can you see why having a healthy understanding of needs is so important? Because if you don't get that right, it's going to bring dysfunction and disease in your life. 
So let's look at it in a very practical sense. Is Aiden's, Aiden's not in here? Who can I? Rosa, why don't you come up here? Come on, Rosa. You can do it, Rosa. It'll just be a real uh, quick example. So what I want you to do is take a deep breath, and then I want you to hold it. Well, we need to see your face, right? So are you ready? And hold it as long as you can. So at first, right, there's an energy because you got this big gulp of air, right? And you need those things. But then increasing discomfort happens, right? Are you at that point? Oh, okay. All right. And then, then fear and doubt comes in. And then you're thinking, you know, why is he having me do this? I'm feeling... Uh, frustrated or angry right now. And then you get to the point where you're fighting for it, right? You're everything within you, you're fighting. You can breathe now. I don't, uh, that's all I needed you for. Thank you. Yeah, give her a round of applause. So there's a certain point where you're going to start fighting for it, right? And what was that? 30 seconds, right? So eventually your need for air will override your willpower to hold your breath. So this tells us something very important about our needs. That the pull for an unmet need is stronger than your willpower to resist it. I'm not talking about wants here. I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about needs. Something that you were actually created to have. Okay? Just like Rosa held her breath, and eventually, it didn't matter how much willpower she had, she breathed, right? And so this is why good people, good Christians, people that love God will do destructive things outside of their Christ-like character because they're trying to fulfill an unmet need. Just that example. If a need goes unmet, it doesn't matter how much willpower you have. You will do whatever it takes to fulfill it. And so that was an example of a physical thing. But what about the need for validation? What about the need for belonging and acceptance? Come on. These are needs. How many of you would agree that there are people that you don't want to be around if they haven't eaten? How many of you are honest enough to raise your hand and say, that's me? <laughs> you know, sometimes if you know someone well enough, just be like, just eat a banana, right? <laughs> All right, just go get a banana, something, right? right? So a need going unmet affects how we treat others. And you know what? When your needs go unmet for a long enough time, you'll go into survival mode. How many of you ever watched Bear Grylls? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Those survival shows? Yeah, the survival shows. And so one time it was so cold and he found this dead horse carcass and he cut it open and climbed in it to stay warm. Sometimes he was so thirsty that he took camel dung and wrung it out to drink. Horrible, right? But why did he do it? Well, to make a show, for one. 
But you will do those things if you are in survival mode. And so what happens when our needs go unmet, we'll find ourselves doing crazy things to have a need met. Come on. As a father of three children, I realized that I've created three amazing human beings that require me to meet their needs. But the one beautiful thing about that is 90% of those needs, they want mom to fulfill. So that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like the 10%, like, praise the Lord. So they're, they're little need sponges, right? They have spiritual needs, they have financial needs, they have emotional needs, but they also have needs that aren't physical, and they're more emotional and psychological, needs for acceptance and belonging, need for validation. How many of you know, if your kid draws a picture that isn't that great, what do you do? Amazing, beautiful, awesome, let me have that. Let me display it on the wall. Let me take it out to my office. Not that great of a picture, really, right? But it's beautiful because it's your child, but not only that, you're causing validation and acceptance and you're giving life to them. And the funny thing is, we say, well, kids do that, but adults do that all the time. They're looking for it. And what happens if they don't get it? They do some pretty crazy things. Come on. Or the need for love and affection. The need of having a sense of meaning or purpose. If our human existence revolves around the fulfillment of needs, ours and others, it's important that we understand them and relate to them in proper perspective or proper context. If we don't, our needs and the needs of others will consume our life and possibly become a deterrent to our God-given identity and destiny. I want you to understand this. We were designed, we were actually created to have needs and have our needs fulfilled. So I want you to say this with me. There is no shame in having a need. See, a lot of times religion says, well, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough this. But we were actually created to have needs, but also have them fulfilled. Adam, the original human being, needed oxygen and food and water to, to sustain life. We also know that he needed relational partnership and connection. And the truth is we were created to be need-based beings. There's no shame in it. The key is God's plan was always been to supply for every one of our needs. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, so this is right after he said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then what does he say? Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Before the fall, before the fall, there was a need. And what did God say? It is not good. So what did he do? There was a need, and then there was provision. Do you see this? There was a problem, and then there was a solution. There was a void, and then there was a fulfillment of it. 
So we were designed to have needs, but also have our needs fulfilled. So having a need is not a sign of a fallen world. Having a need is not an accusation against who you are. Are you guys getting this? I want you to really get this. There's nothing wrong with having a need. You were actually created to have that need. Although Adam and Eve were created to have needs, they were never in a position to experience lack. Everything was provided. Genesis 2.25, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Shame means to be disconcerted, which means to be unsettled, rattled, shaken, worried, to be caught off guard or off balance. Are you guys getting this? They had needs, but they were never unsettled, rattled, or shaken, or worried. Come on. Are you guys getting this? They had needs. It was part of their design, but they were never worried about them. It means to be disappointed or delayed. So they had needs, but they were never disappointed, or, nor were they delayed. It means to pale, and that means to decrease in importance, lose significance, fade into the background, become less impressive or less important. Come on. So they never felt inadequate. They never experienced insufficiency. Although Adam and Eve were created to have needs, they were never in a position to experience lack. They never experienced the loss of affection or significance or validation or meaning or purpose. Why? Because every need they ever had was supplied for spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So having a need is not a problem. It actually means that you're human. But if needs are not the problem, what is? Well, lack is, right? Lack is the problem. Lack is when a need is withheld from you, delayed or disappointed. Remember, Adam and Eve never experienced lack. Every single one of their needs were fulfilled. So what changed? We're in a Bible-believing church. All of you know what's changed, right? But we'll go over it. They believed a lie. Genesis 3, 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So what was the enemy doing? He presented a thought in their mind that they never had before. What was that thought you're being withheld from? You are not good enough. You do not have everything that you need. You are in lack, right? What did it say? Your eyes will be open and then you will know, oh, you won't die. He presented a need that did not exist. I want you guys to follow me. He presented a need that did not exist. A need that does not exist cannot be met. It's impossible. Can you see why believing a lie is dangerous? I want you to get this. Can you see why believing a lie is dangerous? Because if you're trying to meet a need that does not exist, 
you will never meet it, and you will be in a cycle of frustration all the time. So a lie from the enemy will present you with a need that can never be met. He presents a problem that cannot be solved, a void that cannot be filled. Have you ever been in a place where you were chasing after something, and when you actually caught it, it just didn't make the need? Why? Because you were chasing something that could never be met. Are you guys seeing this? Believing lies about yourself, others, or about God will keep you in cycles of lack. So a so-called need, a so-called need that is rooted in a lie cannot be met. Genesis 3.6. This is pretty crazy. So the enemy presented a foreign thought, an external thought that they never had before because every need was supplied for them. Everything was taken care of. They had needs, but they were never delayed or disappointed. So the enemy comes in and presents a lie that says, you are in lack, you're not good enough. You're missing out, you're being withheld from. And then what does it say? The woman was convinced. Come on. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, I want you guys to get this. When did it shift? When did it shift? At that moment, their eyes were opened. Their eyes were not open when they heard the lie. Are you guys seeing this? Their eyes were not open. When, because listen, guys, how many of you hear lies all the time? Their eyes were not open when they heard the lie. It's when she was convinced. She gave place to the lie. And she stepped out and ate the fruit. At that moment, her eyes were open and they were sudden, they suddenly felt shame. All those things that I went through at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The word naked, nakedness in the Hebrew lexicon means thou also was nakedness and necessity, utterly naked and helpless. It wasn't only that they realized that they were physically naked, but they also came under the weight of their own need. So what did they have to do? They had to protect themselves. Right? They covered themselves. So Adam and Eve felt something they never felt before. They felt inadequate. They felt lack. They felt shame. They felt fear, and they controlled it. And how, how did they try to control it? They sold some things together to try to cover themselves. Remember, God's original plan was to supply for all of our needs. But when shame and fear entered their world, they had to step outside of God's plan and try to meet their own need on their own strength and their own ability. When they believed the lie and they were convinced of it, then they stepped outside of God's plan and they had to cover themselves. 
Now, I know that we're talking about Adam and Eve, but this really relates to our life, doesn't it? By design needs, I want you to get this, by design needs are meant to draw us into his presence and purpose. Body, remember, we were created to have needs. It's part of our creation design, but they were always meant to draw us into intimacy. What did Jesus say? If you are thirsty, what is thirsty? You have a need. Come to me and drink. Needs, needs are not the problem, right? They're actually designed to draw us into intimacy and affection with God. So the strategy of the enemy is to present a lie that that we would focus our strength on meeting our own need rather than placing our attention on his presence and his empowerment. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone in lack? Is anybody in a place of wanting? Come to me. You see, lies have power when they are hidden. So I want to expose the lies of the enemy that trick us into meeting our own need outside of God's plan. When we respond out of fear, insecurity, frustration, shame, lack, or from any dark place, our perception of our needs will become distorted. Fundamentally, lies are a perversion of purpose. I'm going to say it again. Fundamentally, lies are a perversion of purpose. What was it? Yeah, you guys have needs, but it was always a design for God to fill them. And then what does the enemy do? Oh, you won't die. Listen, you're being withheld from. You're in lack. And what happened? There was a perversion of purpose. By design, we were created to have needs, but lies per pervert their purpose. How many of you have ever been to the county fair? It's okay, you can raise your hand. There's no shame in it uh, if you went. Um, but they have these things called fun houses, right? And what do they have in those fun houses? They have these mirrors, right? And you go and you're a pretty fit person or you're skinny and you look and then you're like three times the size, right? Or, or you're really tall and it makes you short. Everybody kind of know what I'm talking about. If you haven't experienced it, maybe you saw it on a movie. But this is what the lies of the enemy do. Our needs will become exaggerated, seen through a lie. How many of you know that mirror that you look at, that you're thin, and then it expands you three times your size, Right? Our needs become so big that nothing could ever satisfy them. You see, when we believe a lie about God, about ourselves, or about others, we, we view it from a dark place or we view it through a lie, we can look at our needs and be like, nothing will ever satisfy this. Nothing is ever enough. Our appetite for things become too big. The job isn't good enough. The relationships aren't good enough. My identity isn't good enough. My church isn't good enough. My life isn't good enough. My dreams aren't good enough. 
Because we're looking through a distorted reflection. Are you guys seeing, do you see the perversion of this? When you view your needs through a lie, it will never be enough. Come on. And guess what? If they're never enough, just like you cannot meet a need that does not exist, how can you meet a need that will never be enough? Come on. Have you ever seen the one where you go in and there's a room and then there's like 50 mirrors and you see your reflection in 50 times, right? See, when we believe a lie about our needs, it's like that mirror. Every opportunity, every idea, every identity or every endeavor is one that will meet my need. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, this will meet it. Oh, this person will meet it. This opportunity will meet it. If I could just have something different than what I have right now, well, that will do it. See, when we view it through a lie, are you seeing this? Maybe this will make me happy. Maybe this will fill the void. Maybe this will solve the problem. Is anyone thirsty? Come to me and drink. Like I said before, needs are part of your creation design, but they have a purpose. And what is that purpose? To draw you into intimacy with God. Have you ever uh, looked at one of those mirrors where it makes your head like three times the size and your body really small? It's a, it's a distorted image, right? It's not reality. So what happens is you try to fix yourself based on the warped perception that isn't even based on reality. Man, if my head was just smaller. You know, I've seen these clamps. Maybe if, and we'll do these things to try to fix something that isn't even based in reality, but we see it through a lie. Come on. Something comes up, well, anything I do is never good enough. Maybe it's because we're looking through the wrong lens. Come on. Our needs become hidden or muted. Maybe you're the person that your world revolves around meeting everybody else's needs. And then nothing's left for you. You know, lack is a merit badge of religion. Look at how much I'm suffering. Suffering for Jesus. And I'm not saying that there might be suffering. I'm not saying that, right? But sometimes we could get to a place of putting ourselves in position to not actually have our needs met. And then we're looking and say, everybody, please look at how much I'm suffering. Look at what I'm going through. Can't you see it? You'll love me for this one, but it's scripture. Matthew 6, 16. 
When you fast, do not look sober as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Okay. You know, sometimes when you just read the scripture, you don't really need to say anything else. (laughs) Well, I will say this. Lack is not a reward to be won. Come on, guys. But what happens if we're in that fun house, per se, and we're looking at our world through this distorted lens, it would be hard to see reality unless we step outside in the truth. Is there anyone thirsty? Come to me. And drink. Come on. The enemy will use a false need to disguise or divert you from the true need. Real quickly, the Israelites were complaining about the food that they were getting. Where did the food come from? Heaven. Heaven. And what did they say? Where's our leeks? Where's our onions? Where's our cucumbers? We had them in slavery. Come on, right? This is a perfect example of the problem not being the problem. Could the problem have been that they were motivated by fear? Could the problem have been they were quick to complain? Could the problem have been that they were easily swayed by mixed opinions? Could the problem have been that they just went through 400 years plus of victimization? Could the problem have been that they were stubborn and pigheaded? That was not my words. That was scripture. So I'll believe it. I don't don't think it's the King James. I'm sorry. But the problem that they thought it was, was where are the cucumbers? Where are the leeks? And we laugh at that, but we do that too, right? All we have, God, is what you provided. Okay, we'll just move on from that one. We can become hostage to a self-imposed need. I need someone to say that they were wrong for me to have peace. That might never happen, people. And guess what? You're going to be in a lot of torment if you keep on thinking thinking that way. You know, I need them to know that I was right. (laughs) You cannot meet a need that does not exist. This one was mine. I need to know why. I need to know why this happened. Still don't know why. (laughs) Come on, guys. All these self-imposed needs hold you hostage and bound because they can never, they may never happen. So we 
live, we become bound by our own demands. I want you to see this. When we put these self-imposed needs on ourselves, needs that might never be met, we actually shackle ourselves. Thank you, Father. Well, um, I'm reviewing my notes to see what I can cut out. Um, so this is a valid question, and I want you to answer this within yourself. Does my God, the one I serve, a good father. Now, since that song has come out, we cannot just say good father. We must say good, good father. Yes, you are. 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 All right. So is he a good father? Is my father a good father that is intended to pour out his riches and goodness upon me when I'm in need? Is that my father? Come on. If the answer is yes and you believe it, then this should challenge how you relate to your needs. Come on. This will be the thing that challenges those mirrors. When you're confronted with a lie, you have to go back. Did my, what did my God say? Come on. Our needs by design are to draw us into intimacy with our creator. But how we relate to our needs will determine whether we are in fear or in faith. If we believe a lie, we will function out of fear. And let me say, the end result of fear is never positive, ever. If we believe the truth and stand on his promises, we will function out of faith, which is the channel to experience heaven's reality in our life. Now, I'll just give you the references. Matthew 6, 33, it basically says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? But what is that talking? What are all these things? In context, it's all the basic needs of life. So God will supply food, water, oxygen, clothing, shelter, all these things. And then we know in Philippians 4.19 that he promises, my God shall supply all your needs. Not just the basic needs, but all your needs. Now I'm going to fly through this really quickly. But the context of that is not a lottery verse, because if you look at it, that whole verse or that whole section of scripture actually talks about generosity. It talks about sowing and reaping. It talks about God finding pleasure when we meet the needs of others. So when it says, my God shall supply all your needs, he was talking to a church, the only church to be, uh, the only church to do this that reached out and supplied his needs in distress. So I think it's important to know that verse in context. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. Here it is again, God's desire to meet all of your needs. So I want to give you a few practical uh, 
solutions for this the issue that I talked about today. All right. And many people have unfulfilled needs because they're afraid to sow. I'm going to say this again. Many people have unfulfilled needs because they're afraid to sow. So sowing will cause you to step outside of yourself, cause you to step outside of your need, causing you to step outside of your walls of protection. And in all those examples, what did it say? Seek first the kingdom of God. Paul was supplied for in his distress. And he who sows all sufficiency in all things. Do you see how having your needs met is tied to sowing? Now, a lot of times people relate this to money, which I think is important, but it's also other things like giving and receiving affection. Let's say you're saying, I've been hurt. And I don't want to be hurt again, unless you're not right, right? And so you're afraid. And because you're afraid, you protect. So what do you do? I'm going to close out Reuben because I'm afraid and I'm trying to protect myself. But guess what happens? I lack because I close out Reuben. Are you guys seeing this? So I go without affection, I feel lack, and I'm hurt because of it, so I'm afraid. And then I have to protect myself. And then I lack because I'm withholding it, and then I'm afraid again. Do you see the cycle? Do you see this cycle? What about the need for validation? I believe that the lie that I'm not good enough. So what do I have to do? I have to protect myself. So I suppress my identity and my giftings. And because I do that, I lack. And the world around me misses out on what I was created for. And because of that, I'm afraid. And then I protect. And then I lack. How do you break out of this? You sow. Are you guys getting this? You sow into what you, you, sow into what you want a, har, a good harvest to be. So sowing confronts fear. It causes you to step outside of the cycle of fear, protection, and lack. Now, I preached on this before, so if you want to, you can check it out. But don't isolate yourself when you're in need. The outcome is always lack. I'm not going to preach on it, but I'll just leave it at that. If you are in need, don't isolate yourself. Because guess what? You're going to lack. And then that fear, protection, lack cycle will happen. The next thing is true needs are generally deeper than what's on the surface. There were nine times in the Old Testament when the people of God stopped worshiping, which means they, were, they placed their attention and affection on other things, which was idolatry. Notice they never stopped worshiping. So we were created to worship. They stopped worshiping the king of kings. And then they worshiped other things. And as a result of that, they came into a season of famine, poverty, and idolatry. Then worship would be restored, and so the famine and poverty were reversed. So the lack of worship didn't, the lack of worship didn't produce poverty, it produced famine. I want you guys to get this. It did not produce poverty. It produced famine. What does famine produce? Poverty. 
And so the reason I'm saying this is maybe there's an area in your life where you have poverty. And I'm not just talking financially. Poverty might not be the issue. Maybe it's famine. And how did they reverse famine? By worshiping and putting their attention on him. Are you guys seeing this? So many times we can focus on an area of poverty in our life, financial, emotional, relational, and try to fix the problem of poverty rather than addressing the reason for poverty, which was famine. And I'll end with this. John 7, 37, 39, and I've alluded to this scripture verse all morning. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, oh, I didn't add this, right? As scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. I want you to know this drastic or this dramatic con, this, um, this contrast. Jesus invites a a thirsty person. That person is in need. This person is in a place of wanting, right? He's thirsty. And then what happens? Then through the incoming and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this same person who has been thirsty and without sufficiency for himself becomes a channel of streams of living water. I want you guys to get this. This person was in need. This person was in a place of wanting. This person was in lack. And because they came and drank from Jesus, because they received the inflowing of the Holy Spirit in their life, now this person that was in need is now a channel of life. Come on. Was, now is a channel of life, not only to themselves, but to the world around them. You were created to have needs, and by design, they are to draw you into intimacy with him. Are you guys seeing this? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you promise, we know that your heart is to fulfill every single one of our needs. And so, Lord, right now, we just open ourselves up. We open our heart. We open our ears to hear your voice. Lord, you made us a promise that if we are thirsty, that if we come and drink from you, we will receive the Holy Spirit. And from that indwelling, we would have streams of living water flowing from us. Lord, we repent right now. Well, let's just take a moment. And if there, as I was was preaching, if there was a lie that the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you were believing about yourself, about others, about God, let's just take a moment and just repent for that. Father, we repent for believing the lies of the enemy. Lord, reveal to me the truth of your word. Thank you, Father. Help me to see how you see. 
Father, I run to you and I drink from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So just allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to your heart right now and your mind. Thank you, Father. Father, help us to see our needs through new perspective. Help us to see our needs through the perspective and the lens of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.